0: Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app, or by going to Connect with Calvary. .org. Well, today on the podcast we're jumping into a new um, a new series, transforming the world, and so um, it's primarily, I think, dealing with Acts, yeah, and apostles yeah. most of the time, but um, jumping into um, uh, this. I was going to say Acts four, but that's not. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, X yes, three, three. X four is next week. Is next week. I yeah. was just looking at that. So, that's, yeah. right. Yep. that's right. That's right. That's right.
1: And um, I think I said in the sermon that we would talk a little bit more about um, the man um, who was begging at the gate and uh, a little bit more about that gate that's called beautiful, um, um, translated as timely, which is weird, um, and blooming and beautiful. Um, And there is a difference of opinion in terms of which gate that was, Um, but uh, one author um, describes it as being higher than the other gates, which would have been um, much more difficult for the people carrying this man to get to. Um, And that particular one was uh, adorned with all kinds of silver and gold plates. um, well, I, yeah,
2: actually, I think that one was adorned with bronze.
1: No, the one that the Corinthian door was that one. The gate that probably was the one he was at.
0: Right. Before we get too far, I wanted to go back to that translation um, issue. Okay. Good. Uh, it does seem strange, timely, beautiful, but yeah. that if you look back at um, Ecclesiastes three, the the poem, and yes. there, you know, a time to this, a time to that. Yeah. At the end of that, everything is beautiful, and it's yeah. time. It's the same. It's the same word there. So, uh, beauty uh, is at least in a larger biblical context is seen as fittingness or as timeliness. Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So that's a fun all these kind of years reference. in ministry, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah.
1: And now I'm going to have the song "Everything Is Beautiful" in my head all day long. There
0: you go. All right. Sorry about that.
1: Okay, but thank you for that. That's very helpful because I'm like timely. What, what what? So what? So let me say that the first thing that I looked at. Um, uh, talked about um the great gate that was the only one that led from the court of the gentiles that surrounded the sanctuary uh and the temple buildings prior to the court to the court of the women of the women um now um then it, it says 14 steps led up to a gallery that ran around the three sides of the women's court uh, and five more steps from this gallery to the gate beautiful. Um, so it would have been really hard to get that up, uh, to get that far up. And I have put, or Isaac is putting on the show notes, a really good um, um, map of uh, and description of the, of the temple and um, uh, where the women's court is, and where the men's court is. Remember, this is person that wasn't allowed in the temple because he was not whole, um, which you know makes me just cringe. But anyway, so he could not have gone very far in. Um, but um, um, but then, and Randy, the why don't you talk about the gate that they that other scholars think that. Uh, that he was by Uh, that was called the corinthian gate as i recall
2: yeah it was um if i remember right there's 10 gates or there's a tribute at 10 gates to the temple one of the gates that uh, faced the east it came up such a steep hill that Mm -hmm. they thought it was not that gate right Uh, the the corinthian gate was probably the most ornate it said it took 20 people to open and close the gate it was so heavy um, but it s- didn't have
1: silver and gold; it was bronze,
2: right? Yeah. Um, but it was uh, like or, well, well, some believe that was the gate that he was at. The, the really, the gate is not the, the no. big issue. Uh,
1: but but not being able to go in very far.
2: Right, not being able to go in very far. It's, it's interesting that um, in Jewish practice there was three things that were critically, critically important. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was uh, the reading uh, of of the scripture. The second was worship, and the third was uh, charitable acts, uh, giving of alms. Um, and uh, I was just fascinated by the, by the fact that. Uh, uh, the folks would go into the temple and would hear the word read and then would come in worship and worship always concluded sacrifice uh mm-hmm. and then would come out particularly
1: and, this hour of worship
2: particularly this yeah. hour of worship three i can't remember they worshiped three times a day i don't know if they sacrificed all three or I think they sacrificed this was the, sac- the
1: three o'clock two. was a sacrifice
2: um, but they would come out and one described it as they would flip a coin because that was their act of charity. So they were fulfilling their obligations. <laughs> um, but without ever pausing and stopping to realize who this person was, the very fact that he had a name even, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that just that r- struck me as I was reading through that, uh, uh, that uh, you know have to be ever so careful, even when we help people, that we mm-hmm. don't flip coins. Mm-hmm. That flipping coin image just kind of... <laughs>
1: Yeah, in the general direction. In the general direction. The so now
2: he can't walk. Oh. He has to be carried. So now he has to somehow some, somebody has to help him gather these coins even in to be able to survive. Yeah. Um
1: and only they they did that because they had to to do some kind of alms giving. So,
2: yeah. I I don't always like being meddled with, but as I was uh, uh doing some additional reading on this um here, the contrast of him on the outside not being welcomed into the temple because he was lame and considered blemished was an interesting piece. Um, also, the fact that uh, uh, the, the the magnificent of the uh, the bronze or the gold or the silver or whatever was in the temple, and outside you had somebody who probably struggled to find a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and folks might give him their leftovers, whether that was in true worship, and I'll give them that credit, or whether it was just simply an, an obligation to, to to take a coin and, and get it his general direction. And it was just as I was reading that, the Holy Spirit was just saying to me, "Where are we flipping coins?" Yeah, uh, we're not probably ready to talk about application, but where uh, for me, where am I flipping coins? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I f- I flip coins. Yeah. I mean, I I really hand out money in my wallet if I have it to mm-hmm. those in need. Uh, where are my flipping coins? And how close is somebody to the door? Because we have a fairly nice facility here. Yeah. Uh, how close are the folks who are lame to the door uh, when you walk in here uh, and not able to either get in or, worse yet, not welcomed in or... You know it that just really resonated and struck me not not on the way that I really walked away with warm fuzzies about myself, but just left me in a very reflective mode mm-hmm. uh, about how that all was going on and then here comes along these uh, two guys who have no no silver and no gold and yet are able and have walked past this man many times probably before, and on this particular day they stopped uh and they embraced him and uh uh, prayed over him and, and in the name of Jesus, and then what really again struck me is, uh, is that he got up and he walked into the temple. And what a freeing moment, or what a wonderful moment that must have been, uh, that he felt like he was maybe welcomed into the temple. I would imagine he walked the, into
1: the temple. I, I missed that part of the scripture. Um, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, I believe that's I believe. Yeah, I'm he's right. coming into the. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. His coming into the temple caused a bigger stir than the healing. Yeah. yeah,
2: I, I missed that. I, his coming into the temple probably got even more attention than the fact that he walked in. First of all, he wasn't supposed to be there because he wasn't worthy. And secondly, then he walked into it. And I can re- just – that created quite a stir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what creates stirs in our temples today um, or in our worship centers today or our worship spaces today. Uh, but that would have caused quite a stir, I mm-hmm. think.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and uh, began to talk about transformation when we talk about that word uh means change right um and when we think about drug addicts who are transformed or changed into somebody who's responsible or somebody who's been set free of that that's one thing but when somebody is changed and invades our space yeah that's something else um my son is uh, might have a tattoo all over.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say tattoos. <laughs> uh,
2: and there's churches that I uh, that I've served that w- he would not be welcome in because mm-hmm. he had tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that just whole so thing. He have
1: dreadlocks, and that was even well. More yeah, of a, he had
2: dreadlocks too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just amazed at some of the miracles that we miss. Right. Uh, we look at the ones that we can see while he's walking. Right the miracle that we miss is that in his case it was a physical kind of thing. Although that was tied in back then, that was tied into more of a – for some other theological thread was that that was punishment for – many times it was punishment for a previous generation's sin that he was now paying. But the bigger change sometimes, I think, when folks walk into the temples is that uh, uh, what we've either said about them, what we've thought about them, how we might have shunned them or treated them, uh, and here they are in our space, and that makes us feel really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we still, uh, of course, we don't know because it wasn't recorded. I wonder how many folks wondered, uh, still wondered if he was worthy enough to be in the temple, even walking.
1: Oh, I'm sure that they um, didn't think he was worthy because he had been begging. So, or.
3: yeah,
1: um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, and and so uh, there were. I agree with Randy. It wasn't just the healing, the physical healing, although that's huge. Uh, I was talking to a physical therapist this morning and saying, <laughs> you know, when you haven't been walking and you walk um and have the strength the muscle tone to walk that is phenomenal because he had never walked and so it wasn't just that they healed his bones they healed the muscles that i mean the whole nine yards and then going into the temple there's just so many layers to this um um and then um you're right, the transformation that happens um i mean he he also obviously accepted Christ um, mm-hmm. as a result of that, and that's that's also the the biggest thing that's why that's why I love this scripture um, but yeah, Peter and John having walked by him that that many times, and this particular day they were moved to um to listen to him
2: I've had folks who have been um in Addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. Um, I've had folks uh, who uh, were welcomed into the church, at at least by some of us, if not all of us, who had actually uh, embezzled some money from the school district, Mm -hmm. who were public officials, who had been involved in uh, illegal, caught illegal kinds of activities, some of those related to drugs. Uh, business people who had been caught, uh, and and it the trust doesn't come immediately. In fact, I'm not sure the trust comes for some folks ever. Probably the biggest one I ever dealt with was a sexual predator in the church that we did not know initially mm-hmm. that was the background, and uh, I watched the church work through that. Mothers in absolute fear... Mm-hmm fathers ready to whip him mm-hmm. and yet there was uh i don't know three or four guys she said we will walk with him every sunday morning so he can be in church mm-hmm. and so we never left him alone we had this sit down conversation with him um, and i had asked a couple of the guys um, and so he was welcomed into the church sort of tongue-in-cheek sort of carefully because of his history and uh, but I watched that church grow through that. did those um, men
1: uh receive him with love, or were they guards?
2: No, they talked to him, they tried to be caring and and understand this this was not in uh suburbia, so that was a huge stretch of faith for these guys uh to do that, but they so committed that that Jesus could uh touch his life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they were willing to do that.
1: yeah, yeah. And that's what I hope um, would happen in any church. But that – you know, there are some things that we consider forgivable, and and we don't say it out loud, but there are some things that we – we don't want God to forgive. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's just – I've talked to many people throughout the years who have said, you know, if God forgives that, you know, I just don't want Him to. I just don't want Him to forgive that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of digressed.
2: He
3: um, sort of got sidetracked. Yeah.
1: I want to share a little bit uh, about – if we're done with the gate stuff, are we done with the gate stuff? I'm done with the gate I'm stuff. I'm done with the gate stuff. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit. We talked um, yesterday about um, the um, transformative power of the resurrection and how the church um, – um, used um, or or was led by the holy spirit to to um, transform the world and and I wanted to talk a little bit about sunday schools um and we can um give you this reference too if you want in the notes, but it's just really cool that um, Sunday schools were uh, initially established as schools for children who were in hard labor, as it were, um, in the uh, 1780s in Britain. Um, um, I'm just going to read this sentence. The Industrial Revolution had resulted in many children spending all week long working in factories, and um, they might work 12-hour days, um, and uh, and Saturday was a part of the regular work week, so Sunday was the only day that was available uh, for them to learn. And so uh, Christians would call it school on Sundays, um, and uh, they would use the Bible as their text to, to help teach Kids to read, and uh, so that's how it got um, uh, called Sunday school. Um, and And most kids came, even parents who didn't attend church, um, wanted their kids to go to Sunday school. And that's actually has has been maintained, um, not as 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 closely as it used to be back in the 1800s. But, um, you know, I I still hear parents say, well, I want my kids to have, they will say, I want them to have good morals, (laughs) so I'm going to bring them to Sunday school. uh, and that what they may not realize is that morality is taught in the home and modeled in the home. But anyway, I digress again. So, um, if you want to look that up, I found an article in Christianity Today that was a really good article about um, uh, how Sunday school was literally the school that children went to. And I, I remember, well, I barely remember a class in seminary where we were talking about that, and 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 talking about how um, uh, the church uh, um, helped teach children uh, throughout the years. I actually was a a part, when I was in college, of a... um, I think I maybe talked about this in another podcast, Uh, part of a literacy program in South Carolina, in John Simon, South Carolina, um, teaching kids to read, but we used whatever books we had in that particular library. So we talked about Jesus, but um, we were trying to just use whatever, and the King James Bible wouldn't cut it to teach these kids to read. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, we use whatever text we had, but... um, but they use the, the, the texts uh, of the day of, of, of Scripture, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Isaac, can you share, we talked about the impact that religion has had on the world, and I ran out of time uh, before I got to the world of, of music and art. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, how um, Christianity has impacted that? the years
0: sure I mean I think probably the the one of the most striking um, examples is uh, Bach and everybody mm-hmm. knows I mean even if you don't listen to Bach you you know of Bach and yeah. uh, kind of um, his influence on setting well everything we know about modern music really is uh, kind of finds its foundation in him in some way uh, or another, but um, Bach was a very um, spiritual person, um, very much uh, a follower of Jesus. Um, right around the uh, the German Revolution, or not revolution, Reformation is rev- some revolution. There was too. some revolution there too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but he um, you, you can't you can't talk about Bach without talking about His understanding of scripture, his uh, very rich faith. Um, And we have uh, great examples of that. So, uh, in our own, right in our own backyard at um, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, is a set of uh, three uh, Bible commentaries that Bach. Uh, owned and used really? he's got cool. notes in the margins of them cool um he's you know he's very much it, it wasn't just uh you know sometimes we think of um these classical musicians as just you know well that's where they had to work because that was the only place the only game in town yeah. so you had to work for the church because or the court that was influenced by the church or whatever yeah. um, but that's not the case with Bach and Bach really has a, a very rich background of uh, seeing the world and seeing sound as an expression of uh, an ongoing expression of God's uh, creative uh, abilities in the in the life of the world, and so this music is not just a um, it's not just popular, although it was popular in a sense um, in that day. It wasn't just um, you know supportive of the text. It wasn't just something to use in worship to kind of prop up. Uh, these other things. For Bach, it really was a sonic expression of what it means to be uh, involved in the life of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so that's, uh, you, you can't uncouple those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like you were saying the other day, these are, it, it's not even a cause and effect kind of a thing. It really is something just that just can't be separated, yeah. uh, even into steps. Um, to go, well, now I know Jesus, so I'm a great artist. right no, right. Uh, you, you're both of these things because it's all one thing right. Um, but that's I think one of the uh, one of the most noted and clear examples where we go, you know, this artist is definitely uh, very much uh, into what it means to be uh, a Christian that's in cool. the world that he yeah. was in. And we have, you know, very, good documentation of that, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and the music says it as well. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I think that's probably the best example of that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think that will uh, uh, shape the way I listen to Bach, because I didn't know all of that about him. So, I mean, I think I will listen to him with much more appreciation even now.
0: Right. Well, he really, I mean, he's working with the assumption that there is this, Heavenly music, this music of the spheres, sort of um, that—that he's just discovering. Mm -hmm. So for him, he's not even composing it necessarily. He's like an archaeologist that's just digging it up, Mm -hmm. um, or he's a scientist who's discovering it happening Mm -hmm. already, Mm -hmm. and he's writing it down for the rest of us to Mm -hmm. um, to experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've
1: had. uh, Yeah, we probably are (laughs) over time here. We're we're getting close.
0: (laughs) And music that's, uh, uh, well, maybe we'll throw a little Bach in for the, uh, the exit music today. <laughs> there so you go. there's some
3: <laughs> There's some Bach <laughs> in the background
0: uh, coming up, and we're glad that uh, you've joined us today. If you have any uh, questions or comments, you um, can hit us up on Facebook or uh, email or any of those other ways that you can uh, hold of us. And uh, we'll be back next week again talking about uh, these texts from Acts and the transformation of the world that they Uh, speak to so until then grace and peace